You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. interesting about this is this is not only a personal defense that Paul was presenting, but it was a spirit-filled presentation of the gospel. It was an evangelical message. You know, Paul must have been on a tear. He must have been on a roll because the words were flowing out of his mouth as the spirit spoke and his voice box was filled with the spirit and he spoke. You know, when a spirit fills you and you speak, sometimes you don't even realize what you've said. Sometimes you don't even realize the things that you have said. And somebody comes back and says, well, when you said this, you go, I did. If you've spent your Christian life afraid to share the gospel for fear of messing it up, forget that fear. It's good to study doctrine and apologetics, but ultimately, as Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, you shouldn't rely on your own wisdom when you share. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to speak through you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 26 as he begins his message, Christianity, Reality, or Delusion. Acts 26, looking at verses 24 through 32. If you would like to read along silently, I will read aloud. Beginning in Acts 26, verse 24. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice, and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or change. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Delusional! Delusional! This is what the English clergyman Bishop Wright said about those men who said man could fly back in the late 1800s. Delusional. Flight, he said, is reserved for angels. But on December 17, 1903, his eldest boy, Wilbur, took his seat in the first power-driven airplane ever built and was airborne for 12 seconds. Many thought that the Wright brothers were a little touched in the head before that fateful day, obviously one of them being their own father. Likewise, many of the Apostle Paul's contemporary considered him out of touch with reality. The writer, R. Kent Hughes, says that even today, some maintain that Paul had an hallucination on the road to Damascus, and his subsequent teaching perverted Judaism. Interesting. 
In recent weeks, we have been studying the Apostle Paul as he stood before the king Agrippa, his wife, and Festus. Festus had asked Agrippa to examine Paul to see if any charges could be brought against him. For Paul had appealed to go to Caesar, and Festus just couldn't send him to Caesar without specific charges. If he did, he would look pretty stupid and not find favor with the emperor. And you didn't want to be in that category. You always wanted to find favor with the emperor, or you might be missing ahead. Paul had been given permission to speak. And we've studied lately that Paul spoke of his past days, you know, when he was a Pharisee and a zealot, when he persecuted the way unto death. But Paul's defense took a weird turn, weird to the people listening, that is, when he started to speak to the king about meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul said that Jesus appeared to him and those who were with him on that day as a light shining from heaven, this great light that appeared out of the sky. And then he said that not only did Jesus appear to him, but Jesus spoke to him as well, and Jesus called him into the ministry. Jesus said that he would be a minister and a witness of the things that he would see and the things that would be revealed to him. Paul noted to Agrippa that he accepted the call and he wasn't disobedient to the call. Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision that he had seen. Paul said he began immediately to witness in Damascus, in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and even to the Gentiles to whom Jesus had sent him. He concluded to Agrippa that it was his witnessing to the Gentiles, this was the reason why the Jews wanted to kill him in the temple that day. Then Paul says, it's nothing new. This is nothing new, because I'm just repeating the things that Moses was saying, the things that the prophets had spoken about the Christ, that the Christ would suffer, that the Christ would rise from the dead, proclaiming light, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. Paul was now saying that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was indeed the Messiah. What's interesting about this is this is not only a personal defense that Paul was presenting, but it was a spirit-filled presentation of the gospel. It was an evangelical message. You know, Paul must have been on a tear. He must have been on a roll because the words were flowing out of his mouth as the spirit spoke, and his voice box was filled with the spirit, and he spoke. You know, when the spirit fills you and you speak, sometimes you don't even realize what you've said. Sometimes you don't even realize the things that you have said. And somebody comes back and says, well, when you said this, you go, I did. Now, when the Spirit starts to speak, you just open your mouth and allow him full reign to speak. I wonder if Paul showed excitement and confidence in his words. Knowing Paul, I'm sure he did. But Paul gets to a crucial point. He's at a crucial point in his testimony. He's at a crucial point when he says, Jesus is the Christ. He gets interrupted. Now, if you've been with us and you've been studying the book of Acts, you know that Paul right now should be used to being interrupted every time he speaks. Because we've studied ever since he came to Jerusalem, every time he began to speak, somebody interrupted him, usually with stones or knives wanting to kill him. So Paul was used to being interrupted. But as I said, he was making his strongest evidence now, his strongest plea about Jesus when Festus interrupts. Not only does Festus interrupt, he interrupts with a loud voice. He gets loud with Paul. He must have been excited himself, or maybe he was nervous, afraid of what he was really hearing. Let's look at verse 24 again. Now, as he, Paul, thus made his defense, Festus with a loud voice said, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. (laughs) Paul, you're whacked. You're a whack job, Paul. What are you talking about? 
First, you come and tell us you saw a dead man who, who came to life. Then you tell us that this dead man spoke to you, and he told you to be a, a minister and a witness. Then you say that you did exactly what he said, and you began to witness to the Gentiles. And because of this, the Jews want to kill you? Then you have the nerve to say that this dead guy who speaks was this Jesus, and he's the Messiah? Oh, what's in your wine? Have you been smoking what's been growing out back of your house? What's wrong with you, Paul? Come on, you're whacked out. The Greek word used here for beside yourself is ma'i nomahi, meaning a rave as a lunatic. Festus is saying, Paul, you're a raven lunatic. You're a raven maniac. Has everyone ever accused you of being insane because of your belief in Christ? Has anyone ever accused you of actually being insane? I have a great story. I firmly believe in being called by the Lord. I talked to you about that. I firmly believe that I was called to go to Wildwood High School and teach school. And when I got there, when the Lord arranged everything for me to be there, I was at Wildwood High School teaching. I'd been there for about a week, and I was standing in front of my shop. I was a shop teacher. And I was standing there as classes passed, and this one guy came by who happened to be a gym teacher who I became great friends with, came by, and we started a conversation. And we were talking, and we were having a good time, and I told him how I believed that I was called by the Lord to come to Wildwood High School to be a school teacher, and how I gave up a position at Votech to come. And he looked at me and said, divine intervention? I said, absolutely. The next words was, you're crazy, and he walked away. So let me set this up for you. Let me set up what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. The Lord calls you to salvation. You accept. The Lord calls you in the ministry, you accept. He gives you a ministry, and you start doing this ministry. You become obedient to the call. We talked about it last week. The next thing that happens, someone thinks you're crazy. Oh, that's all you think about is Jesus. That's all you do is study the Bible. You're at church way too much. Why do you spend all your time at church? What's wrong with you? You must be beside yourself. You're insane, you Jesus freak. You're crazy. It's all you think about is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can't we talk about something else? That's probably never happened to you. People think you have a one-track mind. <laughs> when I was at Votech, I was talking to one of the secretaries one time. We were having this great discussion about this one person who was a big help to everybody. And she said to me, this person's my rock. And I said, you're standing on the wrong rock. I said, you're trusting in the wrong rock. My rock is Jesus. Oh, there you go again. Everything to you is Jesus. Everything you think about is Jesus. And I said, thank you. That's the best compliment anybody could have ever said to me. Here's my question to you today. How come nobody ever called Paul a maniac when he was dragging Christians out of the synagogue and having them killed? Nobody ever said Paul was a maniac when he was pe taking people around and having them killed. I love D.L. Moody. Many of you know that D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. Nobody ever called D.L. Moody crazy when he was energetically selling shoes all over the place. But as soon as D.L. Moody started winning souls for Christ, he got the nickname Crazy Moody. Should we be surprised when people think us crazy? Should we be surprised when people think we're beside ourselves for loving our Jesus? Hmm. What did they think of Jesus? Mark 3, verses 20 to 21 Jesus' own people, his mothers and brothers and sisters, came to him because they thought he was out of his mind. They thought he was out of his mind. And some, even that day, thought he was Beelzebub. In other words, he was demon-possessed. Look at John 10, 20. 
Many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? So when somebody tells us that we're crazy for following Christ, we're in good company. We're in company because they think Christ was crazy. See, Paul's testimony of his encounter with Christ and the subsequent ministry that he was called to stretched Festus' thinking to the limit. It stretched his thinking to the limit. He couldn't handle that. He couldn't. How could this possibly be? And Paul's obedience to Christ, his absolutely obedience, this doesn't compute with your finite mind. This doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to what we're trying to do. It doesn't make sense for someone of Paul's upbringing, someone of Paul's stature, someone of Paul's responsibility to give everything up and follow Jesus. It doesn't make sense. And then to think that he was rebuked by the established religious community and he suffered all these things, all because of a resurrected man named Jesus? It doesn't compute. This was simply too much for Festus. You're crazy, Paul. See, I truly believe that Festus interrupted because he was being convicted by the Holy Spirit. I believe Festus interrupted because the Holy Spirit was convicting him. The Holy Spirit was convicting his heart, and he was looking for an escape. He was looking for a way out. As I said, Paul was on a tear when Festus interrupted him. But because Festus interrupted him, he forced Paul to reply, and I love Paul's reply. Listen to this in verse 25 and 26. But he said, he being Paul, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. I love Paul's words here. I speak truth and reason. Paul knows that not only is his gospel true, but it's reasonable. And the Greek words used here, the first one for truth is aletheia, meaning true. And sophrosone, meaning sound of mind, having self-control. Some translations even say soberness. Paul wasn't making this up. It was reality. Paul was not delusional. He spoke with a sound mind. Paul spoke the truth. He says, besides Festus, the king, he knew he's a Jew. He knows these things because nothing was hidden. Nothing was done hidden. Everything was out in the open. In other words, the ministry of Jesus Christ, including his death and resurrection, were public knowledge. They were public record. They weren't something hidden away. They weren't something tucked in a drawer. David Gusick said this, Paul's gospel was characterized by truth and reason because it was based on historical events, such as the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Things which were not done in a corner, but were open to examination. Everybody knew what had happened to this Jesus. You know, the world has always thought that those who are obedient to the call of Christ were crazy. Throughout the ages, we read of men and women who were deemed crazy for the devotion to Jesus and the gospel. Even church history books are filled with them. And sadly, even some in established church today think us crazy for our zealousness towards the Lord. Has another Christian ever said to you, you're too overboard for Christ? Settle down. You're too overboard. Can there be such a thing as being too overboard for Jesus? Can there be such a thing as being too overboard for Christ? Paul had to tell the Corinthian believers that he wasn't crazy too. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13, Paul said, For if we are beside ourselves, that same Greek word, it's for God. In other words, if I seem a little off, it's because of my love for our Lord Jesus Christ and his vast love for me, that sometimes his love is so strong, I cannot contain myself. What a great testimony. Is the love of Jesus in your heart so strong that there are times when you can't contain yourself? You have to tell somebody about it? There are times when you just want to let people know who Jesus is. It's one of the reasons why I never, I always am very, very worried about giving my wife the microphone. She often says that she wants to get the microphone and she wants to scream how much Jesus loves us and how great his love is for us. And she wants to just do that. I tell her, you can do that, just not with my microphone. I can pick on her because she's not here. Paul says, I'm not mad. I'm speaking truth and I'm speaking reality. And King, you know it. I love that. He put the king right on the spot. King, you know it. Why did the king know it? Because King Agrippa was Jewish. King Agrippa was a Jew. He said, King, you know it. But the apostle doesn't stop here. He pushes. The apostle knew when to push. Look at verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. What a loaded question. What a loaded question is thrown at the king. Here Paul is making the king Take a stand. He's forcing him to decide. Okay, king, you're a Jew. Do you believe the prophets, don't you? How could the king say no? The king was raised Jewish. The king was raised in the Judaism. He had to say he believed in the prophet. But if he said he believed in the prophet, then he would have to answer a bigger question. The unescapable question, the question that everyone in the universe, everyone that ever born, anyone that ever will be born, must answer. Who do you say Jesus is? The big question. The one that we all must answer for ourselves. King Agrippa couldn't do this. Unfortunately, that for the king, he eluded Paul's question because he became superior And he belittled Paul and his witness. This would be a tragic mistake for King Agrippa. Sadly, a very tragic mistake for the king. Look at verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. How many of you are thinking right now, almost only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades? Yeah, I know. Almost. Why do they say almost horseshoes and hand grenades? I'll tell you. Have you ever played horseshoes? You have a horseshoe and you have a pole. If you throw it and it rings, you get points. But if you're close, you get points, right? Yeah. If you've been in the army and you know anything about army, if you take a hand grenade, I don't have to hit Lou when I throw the hand grenade. I can hit it over there and still get Lou. He's close. That's why it says almost in horseshoes and hand grenades. But when it says Only, that refers to they're the only places where you can get the almost and you can use the almost. Only in horseshoes and hanger gaze because almost hitting the target or achieving your goal in any other endeavor outside of that doesn't work. So, King Agrippa, the answer to your question is no. You can't almost be a Christian. You cannot almost be a Christian. So, the question I have to ask is, who's the crazy one here? Who is the crazy one? Which one of these two, Paul or King Agrippa, might spend eternity considering the madness of their response? 
Which one of them? Now, we do not know if King Agrippa ever made the connection, if he ever put the pieces together and accepted Christ. He certainly heard the message. He certainly knew the message. He heard the gospel. It was up to him to make the response. Look at Paul's quick response to Agrippa. Next verse. And Paul said, I wish to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such things as I, except for these changed. Here we see the beautiful heart of Paul, the beautiful heart of Pastor Paul, the beautiful heart of Evangelist Paul, the beautiful heart of Missionary Paul, this gorgeous heart that Paul has. He was a true lover of Jesus Christ. He was a true ambassador of Christ. Paul showed them the compassion of the Lord and hoped that all of them would come to the knowledge of Jesus, hoped that all of them would come to repentance. I wonder if this ever haunted Festus. I wonder if Festus was ever haunted by this. Did it ever haunt Agrippa or Bernice? She was there too. How about all the other people that might have been watching? Did it ever haunt them? It doesn't say. We don't know. We have to hope. We don't know. But the king and the governor knew they were trapped. Old Paul had them right where he wanted them. Paul had them right there. You've got to make a decision and you've got to make it now. Well, they did make a decision. They did not decide. And that is a decision. They decided the best thing to do is get the heck out of here. We're going to end this hearing right now. It's over, done with. I don't want to hear any more. I'm sure if you've ever witnessed to somebody and you've gotten to that point, they usually come up with some wild thing that they say off the cuff or they walk away from you. Because they've had it. They can't make that decision. Luke writes, when he, Paul, had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And they had gone aside. They talked amongst themselves, saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or change. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if it had not appealed to Caesar. This is the last time Luke records that Paul was innocent of all charges. But you have to ask the question here. Who was on trial? Who really, really was on trial? Look at what Wearsby said. I love Warren Wearsby. He has such a way of putting things. What Agrippa and Festus did not understand was that Paul had been the judge and they had been the prisoners on trial. They had been shown the light and the way to freedom, but deliberately closed their eyes and returned to their sins. He continued, perhaps they felt relieved that Paul would now go to Rome and be of no more trouble. The trial may have been over, but their sentence was still to come and come it would. Wow, sad news. See, those outside the faith and to those who look in, Paul's devotion for Christ appeared to be a mad obsession. I mean, look what the apostle gave up to be a Christian. You can read all about that in Philippians 3, verses 5 through 7. Look at all the things he gave up to be a Christian. Paul gave up everything that was and everything that is today treasured by others. You are the stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people and continues on even today through the writings and acts and the rest of the New Testament. 
However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescued.